The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 10, Of Effectual Calling, Paragraph 2. This effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man, who is altogether passive therein, until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, he is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it. During my final years at high school, I put together a fantasy football league which was run between my friends and I. And like any fantasy football league, it started in the same way. My friends and I would sit down at the beginning of the year and put together a team based on the resources that we had and based on our knowledge of the players in the game at that stage. There were big decisions to make. Would you put all your resources into that star striker who was inevitably going to finish the season with the most goals? Or would you balance your resources out throughout the team, trying to create a good, solid base that scored points from all over the pitch? I was never terribly good at deciding which way to go, and I never once came top of my own fantasy football league. Most of us will probably have an experience like this in our lives, when we're asked to use our judgement to put together a particular team. Maybe it is a sports team in the playground with your friends all those years ago at school, Perhaps it is, as I have said, a fantasy football team. Or maybe you're just trying to figure out who would be the best friend to approach for a certain circumstance in your life. And when it comes to things of God, we sometimes assume that this is how he treats us. God has called me to salvation because once upon a time he realized that I was a pretty special guy. If we have ever found ourselves believing this notion... Paragraph 2 of chapter 10 in the Westminster Confession puts us right. God does not choose us unto salvation. God does not call us with this effectual call because he has seen anything good in us. We heard last time out in paragraph 1 that God has elected some unto salvation. And when the time and place of God's choosing comes, he calls them effectually by his Holy Spirit. All who the Father gives to the Son will be called one day, and they will come to the Son. But paragraph 2 tells us how God chooses, why God chooses, who he calls, why he calls, and it has got nothing to do with anything in us. It is this statement that begins this paragraph, this effectual call, write the Westminster Divines, is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man. Here we are disabused of the notion that at a point in eternity past, 
God sat down and looked into the future and made a list of all of those who were somehow special. Today, if you are known to Christ, today if you are in him and saved from your sins, it isn't because God looked forward into history and realized that one day you would receive the call willingly. It isn't because God looked forward and looked at you and your family and decided that out of your family, you were by far the best option. It isn't because God looked forward and saw any goodness at all in you. No, if God has called you, this effectual call is not from anything at all foreseen in you, but it is all about God's free and special grace alone. Grace is God's unmerited favour to those who deserve his wrath. Please understand that, my friends. Today, you and I are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and none of this is dependent upon our goodness. Every single one of us deserves the wrath of God. And yet, in eternity past, God has predestined some of us unto salvation, and those who he has predestined, he will inevitably call with this effectual call. This call is all of God's free and special grace, not dependent on anything that God has foreseen in us. Of course, this teaching is supported by the Scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul writes, God has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Here, Paul writing to Timothy makes it absolutely clear that the Westminster Divines have not got this wrong, but 100% right. What they teach here absolutely mirrors the plain, clear teaching of Scripture. God has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Paul repeats this when he's writing to Titus in chapter 3 and verses 4 to 5. But, says Paul, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. God has saved us by his mercy, by his grace, by his unmerited favour, not by any works done by us in righteousness. The Lord did not see your kind acts that you carried out in 2004 and decide in eternity past to save you because of them. He has saved you and called you because of his own mercy. It is this that Paul famously writes about in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 4 and 5 he says that God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then in verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Here we are encouraged by the fact that the Lord loved us even when we were dead in sin. The Lord laid his hand upon us even when we were dead in our trespasses, and he made us alive together with Christ by his grace. And none of this is about us, about our works. We are set free from boasting because our salvation is not about our deeds. 
Imagine if it was. Imagine if today we had reason to believe that we have been saved because of our works. Would you feel comfortable sitting in a room with superior Christians? Imagine you were saved and told the audience that you were saved because once upon a time you had done nice things to your elderly neighbour. And then someone else would stand up and say, well, I am saved because I set up a mission in Nigeria. I'm saved because I give all my money every single month to the church. It would make Christianity a race between men and women. It would make us have absolutely no assurance because what if my works were not good enough? Thankfully, we have been set free from such a scenario. We are saved by God's grace through faith, which is a gift of God itself, so that no one may boast. Today, if we are saved and we have heard God's effectual call, it has nothing to do with anything that God has foreseen in us. We have been saved by his free and special grace alone. And in the famous passage in Romans chapter 9, when discussing Jacob and Esau, Paul once more hits the nail on the head. Speaking about these boys, he says, Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told that as Rebekah, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. This at times can be a controversial passage and one that causes much debate within the Christian church, but I believe its meaning is clear. Jacob was loved not because of the works that God saw in him, not because he was somehow better than Esau. If you read the story, then you know that Jacob is not this wonderful, righteous figure. But Jacob was loved by God, so that God's purpose of election would continue, not because of works, but because of the one who calls. It wasn't because of Jacob's actions and Esau's lack. It was in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, not because of anything foreseen by God in eternity past, but because of his grace, his love, his mercy, and his purpose. As the Westminster Divines continue in this paragraph, they make it clear that you and I are altogether passive in our salvation until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Once more, the Divines show us our condition. We are utterly passive in our salvation. We do not wake up one day and decide, today I'm going to wrestle with the things of God. Today I'm going to listen more in church. Today I'm going to read my Bible and, and try to figure all of this out. No, the biblical reality is clear. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural person, writes the apostle, does not want or understand or accept or discern the things of God. We are utterly passive when it comes to our salvation. Paul writes as well in Romans 8 and verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. And again we see here that there are only two types of people in this world. There are those who have been renewed by the Holy Spirit and unable to receive Christ, and there are those who are dead in sin, 
And these men and women are not neutral to the things of God. Indeed, they are hostile to the things of God. They do not discern them. They do not understand them. They do not submit to God's law. How, therefore, could we say that any one of us has the ability in and of ourselves to turn to God? How could we actually believe that you and I one day could wake up and somehow will ourselves to be better and somehow run to God's arms in and of our own strength? No, this cannot be. We are not saved from anything that God has foreseen in us, and we are passive in all of this until the Spirit makes us alive. And it is this that Paul writes about in Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Even when we are dead in our trespasses, writes the apostle, even when we were hostile to the things of God in the flesh, even when we were the natural person who did not accept the things of the Spirit of God, when we were dead in our trespasses, God himself made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that we have been made alive in Christ. It is by grace that we have been removed from that natural, hostile condition to a place where we long for the things of God. We are passive in our salvation until made alive by the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who causes us to be born again. And according to the Westminster Divines, it's only when we have been quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, made alive by the Holy Spirit, that we are thereby enabled to answer God's effectual call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it, to hear the outward call of the gospel with open ears and to receive it with renewed hearts. We must be born again. We must be made alive. We must be raised spiritually from the dead. We must be given new hearts. And once we have been made alive, we are enabled to answer the call of God. Jesus says in John 6 and verse 37, that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That coming to Jesus can only happen when we have been made alive by the Holy Spirit when we have been quickened and renewed and enabled to answer God's call. We will never come to Jesus if the Lord leaves us in our trespasses and our sins. We can read all the spiritual books in the world. We can go on grand spiritual quests and adventures. We can meditate day and night. But if the Lord does not renew us and quicken us by his Spirit, then we will never receive the gospel call. We will never answer it. But thanks be to God for his grace because he has made us alive in Christ. He has renewed us by the Spirit. He has enabled us to answer the call when it comes. Ezekiel 36 and 27 tells us exactly that. The Lord says, I will put my Spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here is the direct opposite of the natural man who does not want to walk in God's statutes, who despises God's rules. For the Christian, for the one who has been renewed and restored and made alive in Christ, well, we have received the Holy Spirit. The Lord has softened our hearts, given us hearts of flesh and enabled us to walk in his ways and to obey his rules. Once we were dead, but now we are alive in Christ. And Jesus says exactly this in John 5 and 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here 
when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This verse beautifully sums up the teaching of this paragraph that we who are dead in our trespasses and sins have not been made alive because God saw something special or good in us. This is a humbling truth, a humbling paragraph that today if you are saved, it is not because you are better than all your friends and neighbours. You too deserve the wrath of God and yet instead of it being poured out upon you, it was poured out on Jesus. And so today, if we are in Christ, we must be deeply humble and deeply thankful people. For we have only come to Jesus by the quickening and renewing of the Holy Spirit who has enabled us to answer the gospel call and to embrace Christ as he is freely offered in the gospel. And so I am glad today that salvation is not like a fantasy football league. I'm glad that the Lord did not have a giant spreadsheet before him trying to work out who deserved salvation. Surely if that was the case, then there would not be a single soul ever saved. Friends, consider your life. I know when we look in the mirror, we like to believe that we are the most special of all people. We have never done anything wrong. We have never had impure motives. We have never said a bad word against our neighbour. But that is simply not true. Whilst we look at ourselves and pat ourselves on the back and think that we are wonderful, in God's sight there is not one righteous, no, not one. And so with this being the case, we should be incredibly thankful today. Salvation is not of anything foreseen in us, but salvation is all of grace and all of God. To underline today's teaching, here are five questions. Question one, give a definition of grace. Question two, prove biblically that God's call is not based on anything that he has foreseen in man. Question three, why is being set free from boasting such good news? Question four. What do you understand by the Westminster Divine Statement that we are altogether passive in our salvation? And question five. What must happen before we can answer God's effectual call? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. Mm -hmm.